Welcome to Take Notes, SMB Global Rating's structured finance podcast and the credit events of your day. Tune in as your hosts, Jim Manzi and Tom Shoplocker, explore hot topics across the structured finance and global markets. Hello and welcome to Take Notes. I'm your host, Tom Shoplocker, and my guest today is Aaron Kitson, who is an Australian RMBS analyst. Welcome to the podcast, Aaron. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for having me. As with the United States, a primary funding source for Australian mortgages derives from mortgage-backed securities. Unlike in the US, however, most mortgages down under have variable rates, making them sensitive to broader interest rate movements in the economy. Because rates in Australia are rising and expected to rise even more, borrower performance is being called into question. Now, a note for our American listeners, the term arrears in Australia is synonymous with the term delinquencies. So getting right to the point then, given that over 80% of Australian mortgages are a variable rate, how is arrears performance affected by raising rates, Erin? Thank you, Tom. Well, look, quite simply, a high variable rate exposure across the, the Australian RMBS sector increases sensitivity to interest rates because as official cash rates are increased, as they are at the moment, lenders pass those generally straight through to borrowers. So higher mortgage repayments are expected and required fairly uh, instantaneously, resulting in, you know, for some borrowers, arrears pressure, and that flows through pretty quickly. Now, the economy is still performing reasonably well in Australia with unemployment quite low. However, like in the US, there are inflationary pressures, which is the reason why the government is tightening its monetary policy. So given that there are some strains in the economy, I think it's a reasonable question to ask, how do we expect arrears performance in the current environment to compare to what we saw back during the global financial crisis? Yeah, sure. Look, I think at this point, we're not expecting to see the same peaks uh, that we observed in arrears performance following the financial crisis, particularly in the non-conforming sector. And that's for a a few key reasons. So as you pointed out, um, unemployment is at historically low levels and certainly at lower levels than what it was in the aftermath of the financial crisis. And also another important uh, point is that lending standards overall have generally been uh, strengthened since the financial crisis with much more uh, scrutiny by regulators placed around debt serviceability assessments and standards. So I think those two factors combined, I think uh, mean that we expect the peaks to be lower than what we observed during the financial crisis. Okay, now I understand that since the financial crisis anyway, that loan sizes have increased substantially. So could you explain to us why that is and what the impact will be? Sure. Now, I think in terms of the the increase in loan sizes, uh, they've really crept up during the pandemic. So we, you know, see quite a big uptick in loan sizes in new lending across the broader Australian mortgage market. And that was fundamentally driven by very, very low interest rates. The Reserve Bank of Australia uh, embarked on a very expansionary monetary policy in the in the wake of the pandemic, similar to pretty much most other central banks, resulting in extremely low interest 
interest rates that enables borrowers to take on more debt. So that would be the, the key reason for the uptick in average loan sizes in new lending, certainly during the pandemic. But also prior to that, it has been a fairly competitive lending environment in Australia for the last few years. And that has also you know, helped to drive up loan sizes as well. Now, in terms of what the impact um, that has, prima facie larger loan balances, and particularly for those borrowers who've had their loans uh, originated in recent years, means that you're facing bigger increases in mortgage repayments now that interest rates are going up, particularly for more highly leveraged borrowers. You carried out a scenario analysis in which you explored the sensitivity of household income to increases in mortgage repayments. Tell us a bit about this study. Sure. Look, the study, it's a fairly simple study, a hypothetical study, looking at the proportion of household income that would be used to cover mortgage repayments under rising interest rate scenarios. Now, for the average uh, mortgage repayments, they've been calculated using the average loan balances uh, for each transaction vintage in both our prime and non-conforming sectors. And we've also used the weighted average interest uh, mortgage rates for each transaction from our securitisation data set as well, and compared that to a proxy for household income to see, you know, to see I suppose a gauge really the resilience of the of the sector to rising interest rates. And I believe you did the study for both conforming and non-conforming mortgages. Is that the case? Yeah. We, so in Australia, the vernacular we use is prime and non-conforming. And what we mean by a, a non-conforming mortgage is a mortgage that typically would fall outside of your standard bank lending criteria. And that might be due to features such as the loan size, the loan to value ratio, or the borrower type, for example. But one of the key differentiators between, say, a prime RMBS pool versus a non-conforming RMBS MBS pool is the presence of credit impaired borrowers or borrowers with prior credit events. So typically in a prime pool, you have zero or very, very minimal exposure to these types of borrowers compared to a non-conforming transaction where you could have, you know, a small but upwards to say 30% of these types of borrowers in, in a pool. So that would be the key differentiator. But also in non-conforming transactions, you typically see larger loan sizes and a, and a more elevated loan to value ratio profile. Okay, but non-conforming doesn't necessarily mean that you have credit impairment. It could be that the loan size is unusually large. Is that correct? That's correct. That's correct. So in a non-conforming transaction, they're not all credit impaired borrowers. Some could just be borrowers with very large loans or very high LTV loans. Okay, so this is similar to the case in the US where we have our non-agency space and our, our jumbo space, etc. That's correct. But because Australia is a, our market is much smaller than the US, you probably get more of a mixture of those types of loans in a non-conforming transaction as opposed to a, a straight jumbo pool, for example, in the US, given the, the much bigger size of your market. Right. That makes sense. So what were the principal findings of your study? 
Sure. Well, in terms of the principal findings, not surprisingly, those vintages with lower average loan balances demonstrated higher resilience to interest rate rises by way of the fact that the mortgage repayments for those earlier vintages comprised a much smaller proportion of household income, even under rising interest rate scenarios. So latter vintages, so certainly the 2021 vintages, were more exposed given that they just haven't had the same period of time for that for that loan to to pay down but across the board particularly in the prime rmbs sector for most vintages even under you know significant or you know a three up to a three percent increase in interest rates still the proportion of household income required to cover those higher mortgage repayments was still under 30 percent which is a typical measure of mortgage stress So given that the non-conforming sector has more exposure to large loan balances, is the non-conforming sector more exposed to increases in interest rates? Yes, prima facie, yes, because those larger loan balances will mean a higher increase in in mortgage repayments. But I think that's not the only reason larger loan sizes, why it is more exposed to to rising interest rates and also rising inflationary pressures. Non-conforming transactions in Australia have quite a high exposure to self-employed borrowers, with most transactions having around 50 to 60% of those types of borrowers in those pools. Now, historically, self-employed borrowers have generally been more sensitive to interest rate rises and potential economic slowdowns just because of the greater variability of the business cash flows to rising cost pressures and rising interest rates. So so that greater skew, if you like, to those borrowers in addition to the larger loan sizes and also the higher exposure to credit impaired borrowers, which have a greater sensitivity to interest rate rises as well, increases the overall uh, sensitivity of that sector's performance to higher arrears due to rising interest rates and also uh, rising inflationary pressures. As we discussed earlier, most mortgages in Australia are variable rate, but there are still 10 to 20% that are fixed rate. How will maturing fixed rate loans affect arrears? Sure. So in terms of uh, just to provide some context on on fixed rate exposures across the Australian RMBS sector, uh, typically uh, what we saw during the pandemic was many banks offered ultra low fixed home loan rate offers because they were able to access very cheap funding from the Reserve Bank of Australia at the time, which enabled them to offer very, very low uh, fixed rate home loan offers. And there was quite a lot of intense competition amongst banks at the time across Across these particular to loan types. So for these very ultra uh, low fixed rate home loans that are due to roll into variable rates in, in the next two to three years from origination, which would be around 2023-2024, these loans are going to be rolling into you know, a reasonably higher variable rate compared to the ultra uh, fixed home loan rate that was um, on the the loan, if you like, at the time of origination. So at that point when they roll into those higher variable rates, that's likely to create some level of arrears pressure, you know, because there's there's a risk of repayment shock there for those borrowers. Okay, so just to clarify for the American listener, it sounds to me as though the term fixed rate in Australia is similar to what we call a hybrid mortgage in the US. Uh, a hybrid mortgage being one that starts with a three or a five year fixed rate period, but then transitions into a floating rate mortgage. 
that is correct. That's correct. So it's unusual in Australia to have a fixed rate home loan for the entire duration of, of the loan. They generally only fixed for two to three or a maximum of five years, and then they roll into a variable rate. Now, as fixed rate borrowers transition to variable rates over the course of two, three or five years, as the case may be, there will be a repayment shock, as you described. What are some potential mitigants? Sure. I think the key mitigants to that potential repayment shock includes the um, the inclusion of interest rate buffers and flaws uh, in lenders' debt serviceability assessment. So that's ubiquitous across lenders here that, that they do that. In addition, during the pandemic, many borrowers in Australia have built up savings and therefore have repayment buffers that can be drawn on to help cover those higher costs. In addition to that, the very low unemployment environment that we've already talked about already um, affords a fairly high level of job mobility at the moment. So for borrowers feeling financial stress, pressures, there's the greater likelihood of being able to go out and find a higher paying job in the current jobs market here. And also finally, we expect that lenders to be proactive in working with borrowers to help them transition from low fixed rates onto higher variable rates to, to mitigate that repayment and we have observed that before. A few years ago in Australia, we had a reasonably high proportion of interest-only loans that were rolling into an amortising repayment profile. And lenders uh, at the time were very proactive in working with borrowers to help smooth that transition and to mitigate the potential arrears shock, if you like, or arrears increases that otherwise you know, potentially would have occurred. So we're expecting lenders to, to follow a similar pattern of behaviour this time round and be proactive given that it is a known risk. So Aaron, explain how prepayments are expected to be affected by rising rates in Australia. Prepayments in Australia are generally a function of, of two, two types of behaviour. One is refinancing activity and the other one is borrowers making additional repayments on their home loans. So in a, in a rising interest rate environment uh, with strong inflationary pressures, borrowers are probably going to have less ability to make those additional repayments. But also refinancing options can become more constrained, which can slow down prepayment activities, because in this type of environment, it's probably more common for lenders to start to tighten their lending criteria, which can constrain refinancing opportunities for some borrower cohorts. And how will things differ between the prime and the non-conforming sectors? What we've observed historically across prime and non-conforming prepayment rate activity is that particularly in a tightening lending environment, non-conforming prepayment rates uh, dip first. They, they fall faster first, just because these borrowers are more likely to face diminished or harder refinancing prospects when lending conditions tightened because they have a higher credit risk to start with compared to prime borrowers where their refinancing options are not as limited given they're generally of a better credit quality with more modest loan to value ratio profiles. And how do inflationary pressures factor into all this? Inflation, uh, inflation eats into household budgets and it limits borrowers' ability to make additional repayments, particularly in a rising interest rate environment as well. So we're expecting across both prime and non-conforming a general slowdown in prepayment rates for that to be faster in the non-conforming sector and to occur first, just because borrowers are just going to have less ability to make the same levels of additional repayments that they can in a low interest rate or a falling 
falling interest rate environment. Okay, now let's talk about property prices. These two can affect arrears and defaults. So tell us first about the relationship broadly. Yeah. So if you have a look at property price movements and arrears movements in particular, you can see an inverse correlation between the two. And the reason for that is quite, you know, quite simple, really. So for borrowers facing financial stress, the voluntary sale of a property is a way for them to self-manage their way out of arrears. So in a rising property price environment, borrowers are more likely to have equity built up in their home loans and therefore more likely to be able to sell their home without realising a loss. So that's going to take pressure off arrears. Conversely, in a falling property price environment, the equity gain build up, it may not be there or potentially that borrower might be more likely to be in a negative equity situation. So that might constrain their ability to voluntarily sell their property without making a loss, meaning they're more likely to be stuck in an arrears position and, and it could in, in fact exacerbate an arrears position in a, in a falling property price environment. Okay, so there's a reasonably clear relationship then between the price of the property and arrears or performance in general. But let's talk about unemployment, which is also a factor that's important to consider where borrower performance is concerned. So can you compare the relative risks of price declines and unemployment in relation to performance? Sure. We would say, you know, one of the key causes of mortgage default is loss of income or, you know, due to, for example, you know, unemployment. So whilst property price declines might exacerbate an arrears position, unemployment is more likely to be a key cause of mortgage default. And the Australian RMBS performance history and the mortgage market history demonstrates that. And that's really because, you know, if a, if a borrower's property price declines, providing their employment and income situation hasn't changed, it doesn't affect their ability to repay their home loan. So we would see employment as having a much larger overall bearing on mortgage performance in Australia than property price movements per Say. Okay, and trying to put all the pieces together here, what's the role of interest rates where home prices are concerned? Like many other markets, interest rates are a key demand side factor influencing property price movements. And this has been most recently being demonstrated in Australia during the pandemic when the very expansionary monetary policy situation resulted in, in very, very strong property price gains of over 20% during a 12 to 18 month period. So the other important thing is, you know, interest rate movements uh, certainly have a large influence on property prices, but the under underlying demand supply imbalances can also uh, further exacerbate those interest rate movements, interest rate movements as well, depending on where you're at in a property uh, cycle. And looking at the mortgage-backed securities, how does geographic diversity play a role? Geographic diversity uh, reduces the impact of a localised property market downturn in RMBS portfolios. Now, you know, like in other places like the States, not all property markets move in sync at the same time. So, you know, one market experiencing a, a big a downturn might be mitigated by 
property market experience in, in other parts of the country where the price declines are not as significant. And a case in point in Australia is the state of Western Australia, which after the mining boom um, downturn, which followed the global financial crisis, saw quite a large flow and effect to property prices given the, the large role and importance of mining uh, to that state economy. So for loans in that state at that time, we did see large property price declines and higher arrears and bigger losses on properties there. But in terms of the overall portfolio impact and ratings impact, it was negligible uh, because of the great geographic diversity across most portfolios, which, which limited the, you know, the extent of the, the loss and the arrears performance for loans in that state at the time. Finally, Ratings upgrades have exceeded ratings downgrades across the broader Australian RMBS sector for the past five years. First, what can that be attributed to? And second, what are the expectations for ratings going forward? The key rationale for the strong rating performance that has been observed across the RMBS sector in recent years is really attributable to the strong build-up in credit support across many transactions and the solid collateral performance as evidenced by the low arrears and losses. Now, the credit support build-up that, that we have observed has been driven by the strong prepayment rate activity in recent years, and that's been enhanced by strong refinancing activity and certainly during the pandemic, was being able to make additional uh, repayments on their mortgages with the build-up in savings. So that's all contributed to a faster pay down in mortgages and faster credit support build-up. And as most transaction structures here generally will pay sequentially for a defined period before switching to pro rata, that means that you get significant deleveraging depending on the, the prepayment speeds in transactions, which you know obviously means there's more likely to be rating upgrades, particularly for those higher rated tranches. Now, with um, prepayment rates expected to slow down, given the rising interest rates in inflationary pressures and the likely uh, tightening in lending criteria, we're expecting that that rate of um, credit support builds up to naturally slow as prepayment as prepayment slow down. But overall, uh, you know, with the very uh, strong employment outlook, we're not expecting ratings deterioration. We're just perhaps expecting maybe the rate of upgrades to slow down a little bit, given the prepayment rates are expected to slow. I'd like to thank our guest, Erin Kitson, her new paper, Monetary Tightening to Test Australian RMBS is available on our website, www.spglobal.com forward slash ratings. We'll catch you next time on Take Notes. To subscribe to Take Notes or to view our analyst research, go to spglobal.com forward slash ratings. Thank you for listening to Take Notes with Jim Manzi and Tom Schopflocker. 